0: Tonight, I will preach about what is hindering the development of many ministries and the harvest of many souls, and that is our desire and our reach for fame and prominence. We all must get a hold of the revelation tonight, and that is this, my ministry is not about me. it's not about me oh somebody you better never forget them words somebody you're at the top of hell's mountain you're at the top of hell's mountain and you're having the opportunity for glory and the praise of men but i've come to preach and tell you ministry is not my show ministry is not about my name
1: Wow, what an incredible word from today's guest on The Noteworthy Podcast, Reverend Taylor Fish. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. I know it's been a few weeks. This is the very first episode of 2023, and I couldn't be more excited about it. Today's going to be really special. Brother um, Taylor Fish and I have met a couple of times in person And uh, he is an apostolic recording artist who has released some incredible music. And he is an anointed evangelist that is speaking truth to this generation right now. I heard a message from Brother Fish this year, and uh, we're going to talk about it on the episode today a little bit. But this message impacted me so much. I just knew in that moment that he needed to be the next guest on the podcast, and I'm so honored and privileged to have him on the show today. Guys, it's going to be a noteworthy day. I can't wait to get into this conversation with you, with Reverend Taylor Fish. Let's go. everybody. I am here with my friend Taylor Fish. Man, how you doing today? Thank you for being on the podcast.
2: Man, I'm doing great. Sitting here drinking my little Hint water. Uh,
1: Come on, that's somebody. just a little
2: advertisement. You can buy those at Target <laughs> in every flavor. <laughs> but man, I'm doing great. I'm thrilled to be on the <laughs> podcast today.
1: Well man, it means a lot and I've been trying to get you booked for a few weeks now and The stars have aligned, and here we are. And I'm just so excited about what God's doing in your ministry and your family. And uh, we've got to meet a few times, a couple times in person, and we've talked on the phone about music and recording a little bit. But this will for sure be the longest conversation we've had, and I'm I'm excited for it, bro. I'm here for it. And uh, I just want to kind of kick off the podcast by letting you... Tell us about your family and your ministry, where you're from. You can go as far back as you'd like. You can start from day one if you want. And uh, just talk to us about where you're from, your family, your ministry, and when you kind of first felt that call to preach in your life.
2: Absolutely. Well, um, I am a full-time evangelist. Uh, June will be year seven, the beginning of year seven of Full time ministry. Uh, I travel in a minivan across the country with my wife yes. and three children. Ezra is six; uh, he's a Holy Ghost filled, tongue talking, singing, praising yeah. uh, son. And then I have Abigail; she is the diva of the family. She tries to run the family. Abigail, she is three years old, and then Elias Benjamin. He uh, he is our youngest. And um, we, as I said, we travel across the country, uh, preaching and trying to have a move of God and have revival. And um, you asked, when did I first feel the call to preach? And I will say um, that I felt the call, the pr- call to preach, um, really well before I realized it. I, I, I remember a certain moment where I came to grips with it. I was 15 years old. We were, um, we were in, um, uh, really a tore up building. Hurricane Rita had hit wow. the Texas, Louisiana line in, um, 2005. I was 14 then. And then, um, I remember our, our church had flooded. It was an absolute mess. And, um, Anyway, we were on concrete floors, and uh, we were having just a mighty move of the Holy Ghost. Bishop White was preaching. I can't even tell you what he preached that night, but I remember on the floor having that moment where the Holy Ghost came, and I knew that the Lord was calling me. Um, I'll talk a little bit later about it in the podcast, but uh, I come from a family of backsliders. I have a, a few images of Or, you know, little images in my mind of um, my father when he was living for God, you know, dancing on the platform, things like that. Well, I remember God bringing me back to that moment and speaking to me that uh, he was going to do something greater in my life. And um, anyways, I had looking back, though, I had felt the call. At youth camp authors, I had felt the call at, you know, HYC or or youth weekend authors, um, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't until that day, and um, uh, they're on, on that concrete floor, man. And I think it's so. Yeah. I think it describes the call so much, man. The call's not fancy, <laughs> you know, and yeah. Um, it yeah. started on a concrete floor, and anyway, man, I've just done my best to submit to my pastor, uh, be led by him. I haven't had many strong men in my life that were consistent outside of my pastor and my bishop, but I'm a prime wow. example. If um, if you will get close to the man of God, God will get close to you, and that's
1: really my story, yeah. man that's so awesome. I love that it all started on a concrete floor because <laughs> yeah. ministry starts with the foundation, you know man yeah come man. on I love it and I love I love uh just seeing what God's doing in your life man and and any time that you minister and it's, it's a funny world we live in today you know I'm talking about you ministering to me and i've I've never sat. In person, in a revival that you were preaching, but through social media and through, you know, live streams and conferences, it it just shows kind of the power of how God is using that. And there, I know there's pros and cons to that, surely. But man, I attend um,
2: a lot of church services on Sunday, and it's not just the one I'm preaching. I think we all do. <laughs> right. I attend a lot of uh, late night church services. Actually, <laughs> yeah,
1: hundred percent. Yeah, I've I've got a youth pastor friend, man, de- great friend of mine. We always text each other every Sunday, teasing around like I'm on service number five, you know, <laughs> working my way to serv- service number six. It's just the world we live in. But um, so okay, so when you and I first kind of started talking to each other on the phone a little bit. It was music that connected us. Right. You're an apostolic recording artist, and uh, I I love your music, bro. I really do. I love what you bring to the table with with your writing and and stylistically your voice. Incredible singer. Uh, would you talk to our listeners about what your musical background is and when did that journey start for you?
2: Well, I've uh, since I could remember since I can remember I've always been a you know, a singer, uh, I guess, whether I was singing, Mary had a little lamb or, or whatever, ever since I was a young boy, I Great. was, I always, uh, I guess I'd say I found my voice early uh, to say it was gospel. Mm-hmm. I can't say that, <laughs> but uh, I didn't, I mean, <laughs> I wasn't churchy. It was, uh, it was quite a bit different, but my family, they really didn't get, um, my family really didn't, as far as my mom and my stepfather. The house that I live in, we didn't come into the church till I was um, about eight. So, but, but saying all that, um, I I don't, I, I know, uh, I think you've had David Jennings on the, um, on the podcast, haven't you? Well, he, well his yeah. wife, yeah, uh, his wife, Bethany Jennings, uh, it was Bethany White then, but, she was our youth, uh, our youth praise team leader. And, um, we wow. had, man, it's when so I cool. tell you youth praise team, it was like, <laughs> we had, <laughs> I mean, now I see these youth pre- praise teams of like these events I preach and stuff and man, they're just like loaded. <laughs> well, they're we insane. had, we had Bethany on the keys and, you know, she did all the ablibs. um, uh, then we had one tenor, that was me, one soprano, and one alto, and a uh, and a pretty good drummer. And outside of that, I mean, we were um, that was it. Well, I had never really sang parts or anything like that. All I, as far as I knew, there was no such thing as harmony, and uh, I just always sang lead. Well, right. really, <laughs> through a another tenor in our church and and bethany they really helped me hear that you know and um uh, saying that you know i i sang my first solo and youth services and things like that um i'm a huge believer in youth services and, and anybody that lists that's listening and sings in a youth service you know i just want to tell you give it all you got because what god, yeah. you know god is shaping yeah. you and god is ministering through you now but. There's going to be something so much greater. God do so do so much more as far as growing your gift. But um, anyway, we had a uh, as I got a little bit older, fifteen, somewhere around there. We uh, fifteen sixteen. We had we had a worship leader that uh, man he was he was tremendous, and um, on our main praise team. And I was I was a, a tenor singer. I didn't I didn't ab live man. I nothing like that. Um, I didn't do many solos, anything like that, but, um, one thing came to another and he came to another and he left our church. And when he left our church, I'll, okay. I'll never forget on a sun, uh, on a Sunday night that Bishop White called me into the office. And, uh, anytime you get summoned to the Bishop's office, you don't know what's, what's about to go <laughs> down. Um, I oh, promise man. you that. Four or five times I was in there uh, before that was not near as as good yeah, as this one was. But he he called yeah, me and yeah. he said, it's "Hey, he said, Taylor, he said, listen, we don't have a worship leader today, so I'm just letting you know that you're picking the songs and that you're going to be leading worship today." And uh, I about melted on the floor, you know, because I had never, yeah, I I had always, you know, sang background, but, um anyway, saying, saying all that, I never got asked, like in today's world, people ask and say, would you like to sing the solo, or would you listen to this, yeah. and, you know, see if you're comfortable, would be, com- buddy, it was, it was thrive or die for me, it was crash no. or fly, you know, it was, <laughs> I, I was handed the uh, mic, and it. you go, like, there was no, the word no could, could never be said, you better do it, and I mean, the only, only way you're getting out of it is if you get up there and pass out, but you are going to lead worship (laughs) today. But, uh, anyway, so that's, that's kind of how it, kind of how it happened as far as me really getting into worship leading. And from then on, I became, I mean, I led worship every Sunday, every Wednesday for several years there at the church. And man, God started developing some things in me and, uh, started learning how to not just sing, but really lead people into worship, and it wasn't yeah. until, man, it wasn't until my mid to late twenties that I even started writing music. I I had never written anything, and uh, one day I kind of started humming something, and, and uh, anyway, it uh, it worked out so. <laughs> Well that's the so awesome that it man. Out, but <laughs> <saying> <laughs> that, I'm still trying
1: <laughs> that's so great now i'm I'm springing this on you, but what was the first song you remember writing since you were in your twenties when that started? You
2: know uh the first complete song that I wrote was Prayer Closet. I don't know if you've heard that one mm. that was it's the uh-huh, title yes. it's the title song to my first album. And really, it's the song that kind of started it all, which it's really it's it's my story. You know, I I grew up um, I grew up in a home that wasn't wasn't 100 percent what it was supposed to be. Nobody really prayed in my home. Um, But saying all of that, there was a day that Bishop White got up and said, if you're going to be in ministry, you need to have a prayer closet. And anyway, so I went home and. He didn't necessarily mean (laughs) clean your closet out. But that's what I did. I took it literal. And um, I, I literally started praying in my closet. And so that first verse, I went to the closet that's and shut awesome. the door and harkened my ear to hear from the Lord. That's my story, man. That's what happened. And anyway, so um, honestly, whenever I and what kind of pushed me to do the rest of the album is even at that time, I know now like you and I we release singles all the time now. But at that time mm-hmm. yeah. singles wasn't it really wasn't a a huge deal, especially in apostolic music. So I just worked and wrote and wrote and got a lot of bad songs on that album. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that one's that, that one's worth it. So
1: <laughs> Hey, that that's debatable, bro. I, I love I love the album. So good. Um okay, so uh one of the questions that I get a lot from listeners, just because I have the privileged opportunity to interview people like yourself who've gone through the recording process, uh, what was that process like for you as an apostolic recording artist? Kind of where did that start? Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of talented young people out there, a lot of talented individuals that are great songwriters, great singers, great musicians, and they don't really know how to step into that dream of recording their own music. So what did that look like for you? Yeah,
2: so I would say it's a lot less complicated than anybody makes it in their mind. <laughs> uh, I <Yeah>. am <laughs> very much, and I know you've heard this, but I'm very much a a voice memo guy. You know, if I'm driving down the road and a tune comes mm-hmm. to me, I, I throw it in a voice memo. I think I'm up to 600 voice memos, and I don't know, like... 595 of them are bad. But <laughs> but uh I'm a
1: <laughs> Bro, if people could get access to our voice memos, we'd probably be so humiliated <laughs> just just some of the ideas that are in
2: <laughs> Oh, bro, there's some there's some rough or what's good is is when you start listening to stuff, you know, 6 months later, and you're like, "What in the world is going on here? This is <laughs> Yeah. What was that?" <laughs> but anyway, so I've actually, uh, that's um, you know, I've recorded in three separate studios and um, had great experiences with all of them. The first one that I recorded Prayer Closet in was with David Jennings in Silsby. Um Man, that was that was a great experience. First of all, one the main reason it was the uh, it was a great experience is because it was right in my backyard, it's in my hometown. So, uh, and David, you know, he's a yeah. freak. He can play absolutely anything. So.
1: Yeah, um, he's, he's incredible. But
2: he, yeah. you know, I I recorded with him, great experience, and then I, I wrote a song with Joe Zerpoli, and we um, it's a song called "I Know Where He Is," and we wrote it at the beginning yeah. of COVID, and um, anyway, I, I just knew it was a God song, and so he reached out to Joe Salamita, and um and Davy Florida, Vanquish Studios, which I know you've recorded there. And basically, mm-hmm. the truth is, is I really kind of stumbled upon Joe Salamita. I didn't know who he was. Obviously, I'd heard his name, but um, we we had felt so strongly about this song. We were like, I don't care where it's recorded, what studio can get it done in a month, which you know that's kind of crazy timeline. But we're going we're yeah. to yeah. write wow. this song, record it, and release it in a month's time. And we did it, bro. And uh, so, don't ever let Joe that's tell amazing. you. Don't, don't ever let video. tell Joe tell you. He, don't don't ever let Joe sell me to tell you that he can't get it done quick. Because guess what? He did it for me. Right? Because <laughs> that's proof, right <laughs> oh, there. Oh, bro! I hope he hears <laughs> that. Anyway, uh,
1: but, that's great. I'm sending this <laughs> but to him.
2: Anyway, so record there, and man, I love, I love that studio, man. Uh, it is one of the most incredible yeah, studios to sing in, and I, I. I I've always loved um, recording with Joe Salamita because I feel like when I'm back there, you know, (laughs) he'll, he he don't have a problem saying, no, bro, you need to do that over. You need to give me a little more, you know, he put, it's like (laughs) he pulled something out of me, you know, that I didn't know was there. So he's incredible. And yeah, anyway, then now I'm actually doing music with, uh, with Kurt uh, Kanhai from Little Rock, Arkansas. And one of the main reasons oh, I'm preaching cool. revival there and we really didn't plan it. It just kinda worked out some songs that were written during the time of being here and man
1: he I, So your new one that just came yeah. out, um was that no, with Kurt?
2: Um well, he played organ on it, but you're talking about Masterpiece, okay, correct? Gotcha. Yeah, so yes. So Matt okay. that one I actually recorded that one. The same time, the same weekend, I recorded Holy Ghost, but it just took a yeah the same. Oh, okay. So it's been it's been in the crock pot for a while, but
1: uh, wow, bro! Holy Ghost is a jam. We just did that at our church. Y'all do last Spanish week. version it, too. It went down. No, hey, just what I, love, <laughs> what I love. Is our church I had would have loved it. Me,
2: they're like, like brother fish, I want you to come and we want you to sing the Spanish version, and I'm like. I'm like, hey bro, yeah, listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had it translated. I don't even know I don't even know the Spanish version. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah.
1: I've had the same thing, really? bro. Well, that's so funny. What
2: what is so I'm I'm working on some really some choir music too with um with Kurt and man, I've really enjoyed getting a set some set with someone and, and um, you know, them play and us work out ideas together. And that's how it's been with Kurt. Um so you said, how does it go? Well, I make a voice memo, and I'll send it to the producer. And uh, the cool thing about all three of these producers is they'll hear out anything, any idea, and they'll make your idea yeah. so much better yeah. than it was. <laughs> so anybody that's out there is yeah, like, man, 100%. I want to I record something. Well, get that voice memo down, get the lyrics down. And you know, even if you don't play something um, as far as an instrument, there's somebody out there that can perfect it and make it what it's supposed to be.
1: That's awesome, man. Well, thank you for sharing that with us because I do feel like uh sometimes people feel like it's unattainable or like it's it's a dream that they can never see happen. And I think guys like like you and me can encourage others and say, "Hey, you know, it's really not like well, that. Man, you I, can do it. Like if God's put it in absolutely. your heart, it and, can and I'm
2: not some crazy musician, man. Like I, I can play enough piano to write, but you don't want me playing in your service. I, I assure you that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely a singer first. Hey, but listen, that's, that's, uh, that's an encouragement to people, bro, because you've got, you've got musicians that, Maybe they're a great musician, but they're not a songwriter. You've got songwriters that aren't singers, and you've got this—just all these people with different talents. And then God brings us together. Like when when anybody asks Rachel and I about our journey, I always tell them, like, the key to what God has done through our music is that we have surrounded people that are more talented oh, bro, than that's we are, the truth. and there we bring our gifts to their gifts and they bring their gifts to ours. And that's just the beautiful thing about the body of Christ, man. It's like, as you work together, and see beautiful but song But on top written.
2: of that, man, one thing that, that um, I think that people need to realize is there really are so many people that want to work with you. You know, like you get this song, you're like, man, nobody would right. ever listen to it. That's not the truth at all. I mean, there's people trying to, You know, there's people that's begging for someone to for to give a new song for their church or begging for a new song to go on another album. And and even and one thing that's big right now, even those that are not singers, is just songwriting, man. There is such a need for apostolic songwriters, even if you're not even if you're not a singer yourself. You know, Uh, I promise you, shoot. Yeah, shoot. Yeah shoot an idea over to some of these guys and man, it, it can, it can become something great.
1: Man. I love it, bro. Thank you for kind of sharing some behind the scenes with that. I, um, I know that some people, maybe if they follow you on Instagram or social media, they've heard some of this story, but um, I was wondering if you could tell us the story behind a song. It's It's one of my personal favorite songs that you've released. Um, called Reaching for a Miracle, and it has uh, Mark Crowder on it. I love love Mark Crowder. He's my friend, and and he was amazing on this track as well. Would you kind of share the story behind that song? And for every listener, if you haven't heard it, just hit pause, go listen to Reaching for a Miracle really <laughs> quick, and come right back to this because the song's going to be kind man.
2: Well, uh, so this song is a little bit different than any uh, any other song that I've written and uh, the story behind it, it actually started uh, in Houston, Texas I was, me and my wife we had taken my daughter Abigail to uh, to get tubes put in her ears, you know, it is a surgery but it's mm-hmm. really at this point in 2022 2023, it is a pretty routine deal well anyway it was then that um, the surgeon came out and pulled us into um, pulled us into a separate room. Which, anytime that happens, it's it's typically not the best thing. Well, when we put when yeah, we got it's, pulled it's over um, yeah. into that room, the doctor said, or the surgeon said, "Did you have you ever heard uh, have you ever heard of submucous cleft palate?" And we said, no, but what is that? You know, and, uh, they said, well, she said, that is where, where the roof of the mouth is not completely developed. And she said, while your daughter was under and we were doing this surgery that we, uh, she said, when we're doing the we noticed that your daughter has this. And, uh, you know, there were, there were a few signs, you know, she's, um, you know she had a little bit of a problem saying you know with her speech saying different things and honestly we thought a lot of it was just age but um anyway saying sure. all of that we then were kind of catapulted into this this new deal of let's let's fix this girl you know what do we got to do that we will do anything to we will do anything to, wow. do anything to um see this taken care of and well they they told us that we would have to be in speech therapy every week in houston which uh, we and we did it every thursday for a a very long time and uh, anyway they said that after that surgery would happen and um, reconstructive surgery on the roof of the mouth and after that she would still possibly most likely have to wear some type of mouth appliance and uh anyway you have kids you know you never want to hear anything like that and obviously there's worse no, diagnoses no, out there not. but um anyway when this was said sure. uh man we just we just started reaching for a miracle man you know we um we have seen yeah. so many i here in here in the states multiple times we've seen blind eyes open deaf ears open rotator cuffs put that back together we've seen so many miracles but the uh, at the end of the day when you know when the need stops by your house uh, man it Mm. (laughs) it really puts things into perspective and you got to make up your mind am I going to doubt or am I going to trust you know and Am I going to worry or am I going to reach for faith? And, you know, me and my wife, you know, we had our, our, te- we shed our tears and all of that. But at the end of the day, we made up our mind, God is going to give us a miracle. And, um, and that was it, yes. man. And I remember one night, and we, man, we, we're big on prayer and we pray with our kids every, every night. We have them pray with us. Um, uh, but I, this night, I'll never forget. I, I had Abby, and uh, I was walking back and forth, pacing in her room, praying and just praying in the Holy Ghost. And uh, I I said out loud, uh, "By your thirty nine stripes, we are healed." And I I said it again, "By your thirty nine stripes, we are healed." And uh, immediately, I mean, you know, when a song. Is coming, and as I'm praying, man, I'm just crying and praying the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden, I, I'm as I'm praying this, I realize God is giving me something right now, and uh, so I finished praying and I put her down. And immediately went went to another room and opened up the voice memos, <laughs> and uh, I I just yes. kind of sung that in yes. there, yeah. And uh, anyway, that song was. It was a while before it was released, but even the um, even the demo of that song, we would listen to it on the way to appointments. We would listen to it leaving appointments, and uh, anyway, saying all of that, uh, my my daughter has come leaps and bounds to to the point where the um, the speech therapist after. I mean, six, seven months of speech therapy looks at us and says, I think that there's been a a misdiagnosis here, (laughs) which we know. I mean, we all know (laughs) that that's not at all what has happened. Um, Bottom line is we reach for a miracle and God gave us one. And, um, you know, she's not she's currently not in speech therapy. And uh, God has done a, just an incredible, Man, praise God. incredible work through her. She is, I mean, you, we can't get her to stop talking. And, uh, <laughs> and you can understand it all. So God has done just an right. incredible, right. incredible miracle for us. And we are just so thankful. And, uh, but, you know, and I, I preach this. And again, as I said, it's different when it comes to, when when the need stops by your house, and you know you you don't just preach it, but you got to live what yeah, you preach, you know. And uh, but I you know I yeah. encourage anybody that needs a miracle in your family and in your body or in your kids kids lives. I just I challenge you to to reach for it. You know, I had a man of God call me, and yeah. uh, his name's Brother Shane Burns, and he has just been incredibly. I mean one of the most influential men to uh, ministers in, in my, my life, my ministry Well, he reached out to me wow, and said, he said, Taylor, we were still going to appointments. He said, I want you, uh, he said, I, every, from now on every appointment you go to, I want y'all to lift your hands and thank the Lord for what he's going to do. Thank the Lord for the struggle. Thank the Lord for the back and forth. Thank the Lord for it all. You know, and it got to the point where, man, we're coming into Houston. I'm like, Come on, kids, we're lifting up our hands. We're thanking the Lord. You know, we're playing music. We're thanking the Lord for what God is going to do. You know. Uh Ezra's laying hands on Abigail, you know, praying and God's gonna give us a miracle, you know. We get out of the appointment, we'll be like, We're not going to McDonald's today. We're gonna go eat something good because we're celebrating what God is gonna do, you know? And um uh, Anyway, yeah. my kids may yeah. have felt slighted that we didn't get them a Happy Meal, but either way, um, <laughs> right. I think I think when it comes to things like this and having needs and reaching for miracles, um, it, it's it's got yeah. it, It's more than a song; it's an attitude as well. And um, It is. anyway, I yeah. I pray that helps somebody, and I pray the song ministers to you.
1: Man, that's so amazing, bro. Thank you for writing this song and and uh, not just writing it, but for releasing it so it can be a blessing to to others. Um okay, so I want to just shift a little bit here. I know we've been talking about your music ministry and um you're also a, an incredible evangelist, a preacher of the gospel. And uh, man, I just I love to hear you preach and this is a a question that I have asked a few people, and it's a little bit unusual of a question, but I have found it to be a blessing to many. And that question is What is something in ministry that you have struggled with and had to overcome?
2: So I'll answer this question, but let me give a little background. So I am not a first generation Pentecostal. I really I would be third generation Pentecostal, but I am a first generation Pentecostal minister, uh, and what I mean by that is is every man in my family, my father, my brothers, uh, my uh, my uncle, my grandfather, uh, every one of them felt the call to ministry but either, um, mm. you know, didn't do it, ran from it or backslid entirely. And the major- majority of them backslid entirely. And um, wow. so every man in my family um, felt the call, but they ran from it. And for the longest time, you know, you remember I wow. told you that, you know, I felt this call, uh, you know, I'd, I came to grips with it at age 15, but I had, you know, Maybe not completely recognize the call of God earlier, but it was there. Well, and I think this may have a little bit to do with it. I had saw I've seen so many um, men who had quote unquote flirted with the idea of ministry, and either not pursued it or pursued and failed, messed up, fell in the sin, whatever. um, That I dealt with a voice that said, nobody has done this before you. What makes you think you can do it? You know? Wow. And, um, man, I I dealt with that voice and honestly, I had to just, to say I actually stopped ministry or didn't pursue or didn't go after it. No, that uh, I, I pushed past that voice, you know, and whatever voice is coming to, to you or, Uh, whoever's listening to understand that um, the the one that says the voice is the exact same. As a matter of fact, the first half of the statement is the exact same, but it changes for everybody. So for me, the, the voice said, you cannot do ministry because, and then it would say because no one else in your family did. Now for you, it may, it's the same front part. It, It may say, you cannot do ministry because you can't live up to the ministers right. in your family or you cannot do ministry because, wow. you know, it's the same voice, you know, it's, it's the same voice from yeah. the same place. And I, I had to personally, I had to, as a first, somebody, somebody that was um somebody that was pursuing ministry for, uh, the, I mean, my family wasn't, my family wasn't real deep. I mean, we didn't have family Bible studies. I mean, we were good to get to church on Sunday. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, when, when David said he giveth understanding to the simple, you know, that is, that is my story, you know, uh, you know, (laughs) how I'm even, how I'm even able to reach into the word, something out and deliver it to a church and, God do something is just a absolute miracle because, man, I don't come from a family of ministry, you know, and I don't come from a family of just great Bible study teachers or, or, or whatever. Um, but I had to deal with that voice just like everybody has to deal with a voice. Everyone has something yeah. that they're going to have to overcome and push past, you know, and you got to pray past it Yeah. and you got to so fast good. past it and you got to, you got to reach past mm-hmm. it. You've got to, your passion has, you know, your passion has got to cause you to pray louder than that voice. Your passion for what God is calling you to do has got to cause you to, you know, sing louder than than that voice to reach farther than that voice is trying to, uh, you know, push as far push you farther away. I, uh, you know that yeah. that was a deal, man. I mean, I, I I felt so inadequate because I didn't come from a ministry family, and I always dealt with that voice. And even to the point, even now yeah. as a minister, man, I mean, there's times, and and I know that voice now. And I know how to deal with that voice. And sometimes when I realize what's happening, I'll I'll laugh at it and I'll scoff at it, you know. Uh, but I know what it's like to go, you know, about to preach a conference and the voice come. Who Who are you? You know, who nobody who's going to listen yeah, to you, you know. You? You, you don't have anything to say. But now, now I know I do have something to say because I've been with Jesus. You know, I've been with him. You know, and um, Mm -hmm. I think uh, you know that makes up all the difference. The way you deal with voices is is you get you get along with God. I love what in in Psalms Mm. in Psalms three David says, "I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people." Yeah, you know, he said, "I will not be afraid," and that whole chapter is talking about voices that are speaking against speaking against him. Voices that are like swords and wow. voices that are speaking against. But what, what I think is so powerful is, you know, David comes and he comes to God and he's talking about 10,000s of people coming against him. But then we'll read the story of David and we'll see them singing the songs. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his 10,000s. So them 10,000s wow. that them ten, ten thousands that were so bothersome and just plaguing the mind of yeah. David. David brings them to God and says, this is the voice, God.
1: Man, that's powerful. This
2: is the voice. And God says, all right, I'll help you overcome it. So I feel like if we will bring powerful, all these voices man. that are speaking to us to God, It'll make up the difference, man. Somebody said, how do I deal with these voices? Bring them to God. Have you told God about the voice? That's what David did, and David killed his 10,000s.
1: Yeah, man, that's beautiful. That's beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, uh, what has been one of your favorite moments in your ministry?
2: Man, I... You know, I I read this question you sent to me, and it goes back. Um, it goes back to 2015, eight years ago. I was invited to preach in a little town called Junction, Louisiana. It's right outside Maryville. Pastor Roy Hoosier pastored there, and um, he no longer is there. He's now the bishop there, but uh, or he's no longer pastoring there. He's now the bishop there. But I went and preached a revival there. And um, I I was invited to preach a Sunday. I preached the Sunday morning, the Sunday night. And it was probably, man, it was one of the wildest revivals I'd ever been on or been in when it came to scheduling because after Sunday night, um, Brother Hoosier from the pulpit, man, this this was, (laughs) this don't happen, (laughs) from the pulpit in the microphone looked over and says, Brother Fish, man, we had a great move. You want to come back tomorrow night? And all the church claps and everybody looks at me. And I said, you know what? We'll come back <laughs> tomorrow night. And then Monday happened.
1: Yeah, let's do then it. Then
2: Monday happened. Brother Fish, why don't you, will you come back tomorrow night, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? For two weeks, This it happened wow. that way. But during that revival, um, I, I mentioned that I had come from a. Uh, you know, that I had a lot of backslidden family. Well, my grandfather, me and him have always been very close. He was the best man in my wedding. Uh, During that revival, him and my grandmother, this is eight years ago, they prayed through in that revival, and um, they had been hurt. Oh, my goodness. Uh, just, Just a crazy story, but they prayed through in the revival that I preached in 2015, and uh, they are still going strong, living for God, using the gifts of the Spirit. You know, uh, my my grandfather is one of the greatest men of faith that I know. He walks into he walks into hospitals and pray for people, and they get out the bed, type stuff. You know, I mean, but it, it was just so cool that, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I, you know, I come from a family of people that ran from God. But even though, you know, I came from a family like that, there was a moment that God saw fit to use me to even reach for my own family. And man, just, there's, there's a lot of cool miracles and things that we've seen, but man, uh, when it, when it comes to story and you know what God has done through us, that, that has to, that has to be at the top, man. When God uses you yeah, to
1: man, that's beautiful.
2: preach and reach your own family, man. So anybody man, that's doing this like alone, it. anybody nothing that's like listening, it. that maybe you're doing this alone, you know, there's hope. Uh, you, you don't know when that moment's going to happen that God uses you to reach them.
1: Yeah, man, that's so beautiful. Okay, bro, so... I gotta, I gotta talk about this message because it, it impacted me so much, and uh, you know what? I'll, I'll cut out any question I have to cut out to get to this one, <laughs> okay? because, because, bro, and I, I know I'm not alone in this, but, um, your message, uh, at, uh, mid America, it's, it's called Mid right. right? America, Mid America, yeah, um,
2: Mid America conference.
1: The, Yes, you'd think I'd done my research on this, but no. <laughs> it's great great conference. Um incredible incredible message and you talked about uh the ministry of worms and uh you're going to hate me for this, but I'm going to play oh, an excerpt bro. from the message right <laughs> go now. For it. Yeah, don't go don't for hate it. me. Don't hate me. I'm going to play this real quick and then I want to talk about it before we wrap up today cuz bro, this was so good. Okay, here we go. <laughs>
0: I will preach about what is hindering the development of many ministries and the harvest of many souls. And that is our desire and our reach for fame and prominence. We all must get a hold of the revelation tonight, and that is this. My ministry is not about me. Street. It's not about me. Oh, Girl. somebody you better never forget them words.
1: Man, it's so good. I, I feel the Holy Ghost here too. just listening to it. It is so powerful, so powerful, man. And and you talked about the the reach for for fame and and uh you talked about Herod and 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 of course I'm not gonna re-preach the message if 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 any listeners out there, you've not heard this, I need you to go to YouTube and type in The Ministry of Worms by Taylor Fish. Listen to the whole message, bro. I've listened to it a few times, and uh, I don't do that a lot. I'm, I wish I was that spiritual. I'm usually like, I hear it one time, and I'm good, but it just impacted me because I felt like it was such a revelation of where we are at in this generation, this this reach for fame, this reach to be known, this reach to be seen. And would you just talk to us a little bit about when God put that message on your heart and, and maybe just share your heartbeat with us on that before we close. Well, man, let me
2: say, I, I really didn't want to preach that message. (laughs) Uh, It was, it was a heavy message, man. And I think half of that message, I just cried preaching it. And the reason yeah. the reason that is man is it's and I know I know someone has said it before but the the greatest messages or the most impacting messages that you're going to preach are going to be the ones that God just nailed you to the floor with and dealt with you about first yeah and really that was that was the deal man because um I have a tendency just like everyone has a tendency to want to be known. You know, we, we, we want to know that someone's thinking of us. We want to know that somebody cares about us. We want to know, you know, we want to be seen, but as an apostolic recording artist, I have had to check myself um, so many times. And when I say, I've had to check myself. There's been many times that you know God has uh, God has dealt with me. God has checked me, and I, yeah. at the end of the day, I got to make sure that I am not doing anything that I'm doing for me. And ministry, yeah. uh, ministry is ministry's not about me. I think everybody, mm-hmm. and I, you know, you played that clip, but. That was the that was the main part of the you know one of the main parts of the message is that we have learned um, to create our own highlight reel. You know, people mm-hmm. people used to say you know they they'd say the phrase "Don't believe your your own press. You'll get in trouble mm-hmm. for believing your own press," which basically means right. if somebody's patting you on the back or somebody says you're awesome, let it just roll off your shoulders and don't get caught up in that.
0: But the right, problem
2: right. with, or one of the problems with with our generation right now, is that we don't believe um, our own press. We make our own press.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so true. We
2: we make it's so true our own press. I mean, you take ones one scroll through the ground, man, and mm-hmm. you know and people and i've heard people say what is the you know what's the the right thing to do or the balance and uh, you know it may be different for every person but at the end of the day whenever it ceases to be about someone else and yeah. it becomes about you you've you've just crossed the line and yeah. um, i wow. and i talked about it during that message but we have become so Conference and concert heavy and mm-hmm. less convert conversion
1: mm-hmm. heavy.
2: You know this thing has got. Yeah. At some point, it has to become about souls again. God will yeah. not give a Bible or the harvest of souls that we we want to see. If man, it's it's if it's just about if it's about me or if it's about my song, at some point it's yeah. got to become his song again. You know, at yeah. some point yeah. the song that I'm writing has to become his song. You know, it's a uh, bro. Uh, and anything you, of this that you don't like, just edit it out. But you got no, me on so here. So, and you got, and you've opened up this can of worms. Huh, you get it?
1: <laughs> <It's> so good. <laughs> you've opened this Come can of worms now.
2: here, but
0: it
1: we see together.
2: Jesus, Jesus walks in and starts, flipping tables mm-hmm. and there's, you know, he's flipping tables because people are, you know, quite, they're charging for, uh, they're charging for these sacrifices. They've marked them up. Well, even as artists, man, there are so many tables that are being set up. And yeah, I just, I don't know how no, it's good. We don't know. We, we don't know because We're the first generation that's really ever done it like we're doing it, you know, but we don't know the the outcome of this in the end. We've never seen an apostolic artist, you know, get so big and and great and powerful and concert and all this. And again, like I said, everybody's uh, everybody. They've got to draw their own lines. But when I know. Right. For me, it can't ever be about money. It can't ever be uh, about anything less than a soul. And um, yeah. I feel like we'll see more miracles when it becomes about souls again. I yeah. I know we will. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see the outpouring of the supernatural like ever before. And really, this was a, a large part of this message because I talk about. In, in the book of Acts, where is led out of a prison, he is led out of a prison uh, by an angel. Uh, and the reason he's let out is because there's a there's a church that's been praying for him. The emphasis, the emphasis yeah. is on prayer. Well, Herod, yeah. he gets lifted up in himself. He gives a speech and he knows it's good. He gives a speech and he's got his best clothes on. And the people look at him and said, it's the voice of them. Of a God and not a man, and he got lifted Mm -hmm. up. And that same angel that just delivered an apostolic preacher turns and judges Herod. So the supernatural is still Uh there, but the question is are you going to be judged by the supernatural or are you going to be brought out by the supernatural? And uh, Uh I really feel like our generation is, man, we are teetering on the line. Uh, we are teetering on the line of uh, the reach for fame. And if I'm reaching for fame, I am not reaching for souls. I cannot reach for fame and souls at the same time. And, you know, part of this, it may, um, it may come out this way because I am an evangelist and I live and breathe. And, you know, i I'm reaching for souls all the time and, let's you know let's teach right. some bible studies and let's see some conversions um but anyway i i think it's important that that jesus uh he didn't seek to be known you know uh, yeah. he did not seek to be known and again man um it's this is a message that you've got to preach with tears because it hits a lot of <laughs> different things in our generation, but the bottom line is, yeah, is I've, I've got to reach. I've got to reach. I got to reach for someone else again. At some point, right. your ministry has to become about someone else. As long as your ministry is just about you, it is not ministry. Right. If it's right. about you alone, it is not ministry. And, uh, when Jesus, you know, i in that message, I, and I actually, when you, when you asked um, about this message, I pulled up, I pulled up the notes and was looking through it again, because this is not a message. I just pull out and preach all the time at all. Sure. Um, sure. But, you yeah. know, we see when Jesus, he comes out of the wilderness. He had ju- he's just been, he's just been face to face with the devil, you know, in the wilderness. And he comes out of the wilderness and he picks up. He picks up the book, he opens it up, and he begins to ta- tell, uh, read from the book of Isaiah why he is anointed, and every reason that the Spirit of the Lord had came upon him was for someone else. So that you know those yeah. that those that were uh, those that were captive would be set at liberty for uh, giving sight yeah. to the blind. It was always about someone else. And um, anyway, I just challenge everybody that hears. Check yourself and, you know, before you do anything, before you, when it, that, and this goes for anything, I, before you do anything, look and say, you know, why am I doing this and where yeah. is it in the end, am I going to be able to reach a soul somewhere or is this just all about me? And am I just trying to get likes and follows and ticket sales yeah, and, so good. uh, pad my pocketbook because at some point. Jesus is going to flip the table and yeah. I don't want, Yeah, yes sir. I don't want it to, uh, you know, I want the right things to be on my table, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. It's so good. Well, bro, I really is, is just have, I've felt the Holy Ghost talking to you. I've felt the presence of God and, and I'm just thankful to, to call you friend, man, and get to get to know you better, and and get to see what God is doing in your ministry, I um I would love it. Usually with this show, I know I've kept you for a while now. I love to have our guest pray over us. So if you would be willing, um, would you pray over the listeners today before we close out the episode?
2: Absolutely. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this time, God. I was able to spend with. You. For the French, I pray, God, that you would move on him, move on every listener today. And Jesus, I pray, God, that you would help us. Help us, Lord, to not get caught in a trap that hell has placed for every single person in our generation. And that is that reach to be known. Help us, Lord, to be okay with going to the secret place and being known by you. I pray, God, that you would strengthen every ministry, God, that listens. God, whether it be an established ministry, a a developing ministry, or a ministry in its infant stage, I pray, God, that you would put a passion, God, upon each listener, God, that they would reach for the supernatural, that they would reach into the places of prayer. Let your voice, God, speak today to every single person, God, in
1: the name of the Lord Jesus, yes. I pray. I give you the glory, the honor, and praise in Jesus, name. in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Amen. Bro, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been such a privilege and an honor to get to hear a little bit of your story. And I just, bro, the problem is I could sit here and talk for like five <laughs> yes, hours. <sir>. So <laughs> I straight up could. I know we could talk for we'll a pray, long time. I pray I help somebody. I, man oh man i know that you did you blessed me and so thank you for being on the show man and for blessing us please greet your family for us we're, we're praying for you um as this you're in this extended time of revival love seeing all that god is doing we didn't get to dive into all that so we may have to pray about a part two in the future here <laughs> yes, uh, episode it is so so good man and we appreciate you so much thanks for being on the thank show thank
2: you
0: man. so much